They woke the colonel and explained that the orphan girl was back on a horse dressed like an Indian with what she said was old Sheriff Newman. She said she wants the bounty. Quit fucking with me, he yelled back at the open door. Not, sir, came the reply. She's out there. He opened one eye and smiled. Really? Sir, what a way to start the day. When the colonel reached the rampart above the front gate, the sun had just touched the horizon, and all of the guards had left their posts and were ganged up, looking over the wall at Caroline. They cleared the way for him, and he cleared his throat before yelling down to Caroline. If I were a betting man, he began, and then caught himself. Now, that's humor and poor taste. Excuse me. What I should have said was, I figured you were dead. Caroline looked at the sun out of the corner of her eye and knew the riders would be streaming across the flat caliche on the opposite side of the fortress and that they would have been easily cut down if there were any guards at those posts. The setting sun was their cue and not a single shot was fired or a shout of alarm raised. She had all of their attention and within two minutes when the riders got to the wall, the men on backs of horses would leap from them and begin to scale the limestone block walls. The star formation of the fortress walls meant that such a move would have been suicide if they were detected, which they would have if the guards were in their bastions. I ain't dead, but he is, and I come to collect my bounty. The colonel hadn't smiled this wide in years, and it was infectious among the men. Girl, he yelled dramatically, did you kill your daddy? You paying for the story on top of the body? The colonel howled, could not hold back his laughter. Her horse kicked at the caliche nervously. You bet I am, he yelled back. How much? Double. Double it is. The colonel motioned for the guards to open the front gate and let her in. Hell, he said. I'll come down and let you in myself. As the heavy main gate slowly cranked open, Caroline was a small outline in its frame. An outline that looked little, like a girl or an orphan, a betting chip or a captive. The forty-some warriors who had leapt from the horses had climbed halfway up the limestone walls, and all but three of the guards, who should have seen them coming, stood in the courtyard of the gate. ARs hung at their side. The orange glow of sunset came in from behind Caroline and through the doorway, and her horse kicked up the fine caliche dust as it stepped forward. She balanced her bow and her clutch of arrows across the pommel of her saddle as she moved slowly, trying not to show fear as she walked into certain death. An armed cache of soldiers, the colonel at their center. Come on, girl, the colonel yelled motioning her forward. We ain't gonna hurt you. We want to get a look at that old boy. Nobody's seen him for over a year. The three men, who were not present, had been ordered back to their posts by Mr. Stone. When he had counted heads in the courtyard, he didn't like what he saw and had sent them climbing the welded stairs back to their posts in the ramparts. 
Caroline could hear their heavy footsteps against the steel landings. When they emerged onto the top-level walkway, they split up, so between them, they would have a view of all fronts. Two walked toward the western sun so that it burned in their eyes, the third with it at his back. The two who went west were easily dispatched. They looked down and covered their eyes as they walked by the warriors clinging to the large limestone blocks. As they passed, the warriors climbed onto the containers and then, in the manner of lions, dove onto their backs and plunged their knives into the soft base of the skulls of their quarry. The guards collapsed to the ground with little noise. The third guard could not so easily be surprised, and the warriors, clinging to the walls, quarreled about the best way to do so, then hushed as he passed them. Come on, girl, the colonel said less patiently, motioning her forward again. We all want to hear this story. From the color of the light around her, Caroline knew the tip of the sun was at the horizon and that she had done her part. She had given the warriors enough time and it was time for her to enter her dream. She nudged her horse, and as it turned slightly, concealing him, the former sheriff moved his hand up under his chest to the chestnut handle. Can't blame me for being cautious, she yelled as she started forward. Can't blame you, the colonel yelled in response and motioned for the men to sling their weapons. As Caroline walked the horse in through the gates, the remaining guard saw something in the distance that bothered him. The warriors closest to him heard him mutter. They peered over the blocks to see him looking through his binoculars at the last few horses making it to the tree line. Jones? he yelled, but no one answered. Schmidt? he yelled more loudly. Mr. Stone was standing behind the colonel among the less than twenty men, themselves only thirty feet from Caroline and her captive. When the guard yelled, Mr. Stone thought he heard something. Stepping backward and leaning into the stairwell, he clearly heard the second shout. He tapped the shoulders of the three men in front of him and told them to check on the other guards. They climbed the stairs as they had a thousand times before and were set upon as soon as they reached the roof. None was allowed to discharge his weapon, which was exactly what Mr. Stone had told them to do. One shot all clear, full clip if not. Caroline knew she was within striking distance now. Their weapons were down, and she tightened her grip on her bow. There were more than a dozen of them, but none stood between the colonel and her. She could kill him, and at least two more before they got to her. She tightened her grip, and Stone eased up to the side of the colonel. He whispered in the colonel's ear, and the colonel's eyes widened, and the smile disappeared. He was immediately surrounded by three of the men. Hands up, Zeke said from Caroline's side. She had been so focused on the colonel, she hadn't seen Zeke draw his sidearm. There was no way she could draw on him, so she raised her arms and watched the colonel and Mr. Stone disappear into the inner circle of the fortress. We'll get back to you, Zeke said, not moving the pistol he had trained on her. You six come with me topside, he said to the remaining men. You two put her, the horse, and the body in a box. You heard him, 
one of the two men snarled as he trained his AR on Caroline. Zeke and the others checked their weapons and then climbed the stairs. Caroline acted as though she didn't hear him and only watched the men descend the stairs. I said, get off the horse, the man snarled and stepped toward her. Caroline acted as if she neither heard nor saw the man and only looked up to the ceiling, listening. Stay on her, the man yelled to the other as he stepped toward Caroline's horse and reached up and grabbed her right arm. As he pulled at her, he startled her horse and she twisted it broadside so the readied soldier was aiming at his own man's back. She let out a wild scream and swung her body over the man pulling at her wrapped up on him and plunged the short knife she was gripping into his skull. Struggling to get a clean shot, the readied man did not see the former sheriff slide the colt from beneath his body. When the horse turned fully, he let it off with a boom. Zeke heard the colt go off and knew it wasn't one of his men firing. He was already at the entrance to the ramparts and was not going to head back. He had over a hundred men who would suit up and join the fight as soon as he could get to the roof and trigger the rampart alarm. They climbed the stairs to the top without resistance, and through the doorway to the roof he could see no bodies, but there were the stains of them being dragged off, making room for the next ones. Because it was silent, he assumed they had been killed by hand, which meant the men who did this were close, probably above the doorway. He instructed the men to throw flag grenades above the door, onto the roof, and then smoke through the door. The frags were lobbed up and over, and their bangs were followed by screaming from the two warriors who lay waiting there. Disoriented, and as the gangway filled with thick smoke, one fell off the side of the fortress and the other was riddled with bullets as Zeke and the men slipped into the smoke and easily silhouetted him. In formation, the soldiers turned their backs to each other and their sights to the warriors atop the walls. They began to pick the warriors off one by one, moving methodically along the curved walls. The alarm was no longer needed as soldiers poured out of their shipping container barracks and began climbing the stairs toward the thundering noise. Caroline knew that the automatic fire from Mr. Stone's men would turn the tide, and that more men reaching the roof would end the battle. Get off. I need to stop as many as I can. Not with just those, he replied, and kicked and slid off the horse. He grabbed the two ARs by the sides of the dead soldiers, slung one over his back, and held the other. He winced as he pulled out the blunt arrows out of his backside and climbed on the horse with his back to hers, pushing her to move forward. Caroline guided the horse through the same doors through which the colonel and stone had disappeared. It led to the breezeway between two concentric circular stacks of shipping containers. Six levels up, they could hear the battle unfolding on the steel plates that bridged the stacked containers and around each curve to their left and right, they heard men yelling, preparing to join. She kicked the horse and it took off in a full gallop. Either way, she told herself, it doesn't matter. In seconds, they were onto the first men, 
and Caroline dropped the reins and began firing arrows into them as they passed. The one she missed, the former sheriff, riddled with the bursts from the AR. The second wave of warriors were pushing across the dry pan. Without the element of surprise, the warriors in the ramparts were taking heavy losses, and the war chief could see his prediction coming to fruition. When he reached the Great Wall, he leapt onto the limestone blocks. He climbed the wall toward the bursts of fire, and without looking to gauge his approach, he swung himself up onto the top-level container. With a stone axe in each hand, he dove into the circle of armed men, striking down two before landing. He spun with his axes at head level, and they collided with the heads of the other two men. Emboldened by their chief's attack, the warriors rained arrows down on Zeke and one other soldier who was in the open with him, and within seconds, each had forty shafts in him. The warriors exalted their chief with cries. The chief instructed them to drop their bows and knives and pick up the soldiers' weapons. He told them to pile into the stairwells, which were filling with men from below. Automatic fire crossed up and down the stairs as the warriors screamed, and the chief climbed down the inner container wall alone, armed with his axes. When Caroline came to a break in the inner wall, she turned her horse into it, but did not see the soldier coming the other direction until it was too late. He was past her aim and had the former sheriff in his sights before he saw him. She did not count the number of times her first adopted father was hit. He slumped forward, and as Caroline turned the corner and the bullets tore by, he fell from the horse with a thud. She looked back, but at the same time kicked the horse forward. The war chief moved among the shadows of the tall containers in Great Hall. While the soldiers' heavy boots announced their arrival, his buckskin socks allowed him to move silently. He could smell the alcohol and tobacco smoke that stained their breath and clothes and he easily walked up behind the three guards one at a time, cleaving their skulls with a single swing before folding back into the dark. When Mr. Stone came to check on the guards, he found their bodies piled upon each other and sensed the inevitability of the axe coming through the air toward him. He spun and fired his glock into the dark and in the direction from which he heard the chief's strained exhalation and the muzzle fire lit up his form, Head low and pointed toward him, leg stepped forward and hand pointing the path of the axe. The rounds of the axe passed each other in the air, and then most of the rounds flew over the war chief's back, grazing only his shoulder and cutting through his hair. The axe landed squarely in Stone's chest, and he fell forward on it. Stone's body was close to the door, so the chief waited to see if another man would emerge. None did. But then... He heard a voice. Come on in, it's just me. To avoid the trap, the chief waited. The battle continued to rage above, and he would use his time wisely. The colonel yelled again, I'm telling the truth, I always do. 
It's just that some people don't like my truth. Say it's lies. The war chief did not move. Come on in. It's just me and you, whoever you are. From the sound of his voice, the war chief estimated the colonel to be 20 feet inside the doorway. Boys upstairs will be cleaning up soon, and I'd like to be done with you before they do. The war chief stepped cautiously toward the doorway. He reached Stone's body, and instead of retrieving his axe, he pulled the Glock from Stone's hand. He dropped the clip, as he had seen the Mexican mercenaries do, and felt Stone's body for a replacement. This a gunfight? The colonel yelled. Thought it was a knife fight. I'm good either way, but I'll definitely outgun you. The war chief had not spoken English since he was a boy. He had sworn to his father that he would not speak English again and would not lead the people who followed him into the same fate they had met in the old times. He knew he needed to raid to expand the people's reach. Just the same, he knew that he needed to take the ways of men like the colonel and bend them to his will. The English words seemed like foreign invaders in his mind, but he understood enough to know what this man was saying. Welcoming the opportunity threw the Glock to the ground, and walked into the hall to find the colonel sitting in his throne with the stone knife in his hand. He had laid down his AR and turned the stone knife over in his palm. He thought to say that he'd been waiting to use the ancient weapon, that he'd wondered how it would cut into a man's chest, and that he welcomed this opportunity. But before he said any of it, the chief began running and threw his axe in that full run, forcing the colonel to lunge to his to avoid it. The war chief was within feet of the colonel's stage when the colonel dove over his table, and the two men collided, grabbing for each other's throats and stabbing with the stone knives in their other hands. They rolled, crashing into chairs and tables and trading control and all the time stabbing and slicing at the other side until Caroline slammed the dull end of her lance into the back of the war chief's head, and in that instant, he collapsed. She spun it, and before the colonel could move, she ran it through the upper left of his midsection, making sure to run through his gut. Pinned to the ground, the colonel screamed and threw the stone knife at her face, but she moved, and it only cut her. She knew it hurt. She could see it in his face, and she twisted the lance and then leaned forward to elicit more pain. The colonel gasped and spoke through gritted teeth. You like that, girl? I take no pleasure in killing you. I disagree. You didn't deserve your power. The colonel coughed and spat blood. He choked out his words. Again, <laughs> I disagree. You can't hurt me. Caroline told him, and pulled the lance from his belly and plunged it through his right lung. He screamed in pain as his ribs broke and his lung collapsed. His voice lowered to a raspy cough. You do enjoy this, he said. Caroline pulled the lance, and he screamed at its retrieval. She pushed the point of the lance just through the skin that covered the muscles above his heart. She leaned on the wooden shaft. Do what you want, the colonel rasped. I want you to die slowly. The colonel smiled and blood ran from his mouth. We'll do. Caroline pulled the lance back up under her arm, then turned and walked past the broken chairs and through the door 
into the hall and past the bodies where three men lay face up and Mr. Stone face down. She unhitched her horse from the door handle and rode back to where her adopted father, the former sheriff John Newman, lay. She tied him across the back of her horse, as he had been, and, tired like she had been on the hunt, pulled herself up and steered the horse toward and out of the open front gate. She rode across the flat ground in the then dark, and the gunfire and war cries and yelling began to fade in the wind. She carried a man, not a body, and would need to get at least two more horses and supplies to care for their wounds. But before then, she needed to put ground between her and the war chief, enough that their paths would never cross again. So she rode hard. She didn't know if he would make it, but she would head toward Houston anyway.